You know, people say like ready to rock and roll. What's like the disco yeah. version of that? Ready to jive and groove. Ready to fucking... I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. This is the Eurovision Rewind podcast, where we uh, take a retrospective look at the Eurovision Song Contest of the past and the years in which they took place. I am a uh, a, a glittery, asymmetrical uh, pair of suspenders, Jonathan. Oh, God. <laughs> Those were good. <laughs> I am uh, two attractive men with utterly horrible, horrible hair. Miller. <laughs> I am a, a a Swedish man simply named Ted Ellis. <laughs> yes. And if you haven't caught on by now, we are ta- oh, we you, we told you last week, I guess. There's no mystery, but we are talking about 1979 Eurovision and before we do that, we are going to talk about our songs of the week. Who wants to take it away? Ooh. Um I I'm I'm I've got two. Well, actually I've got a song and an album. The song <laughs> is well the song was technically released in 1978 because it's on an album that was released in 1978 but it was released as a single in the u.s in january 1979 so i'm counting it it is uh you make me feel mighty real by sylvester bop it is a bop and a banger it is a the the uh, uh, pretty close to the ideal disco song Gay black dude from San Francisco making fantastic dance music. Highly recommend. Go check it. Go check out Sylvester. It's, wow, it's that great. Is awesome. More it's people need to really know about good. Sylvester. He's an icon. Sylvester's an icon, yeah. Um, the other one is very different. Uh, there's <laughs> this... I'm, I'm falling back into my folk metal obsession. And uh, there's this swedish band it's called i think i don't know how to pronounce it it's like fade but it's spelled f-e-j-d um their their, their first demo is on youtube and it's called uh oh god Tinson var i'm probably butchering every pronunciation in the book here but go check that out it's really <laughs> really good it's more folk kind than of metal. music is oh okay i see um yeah it's folk metal on the folkier end of it and it's just it's it's just really good <laughs> so yeah, yeah there's my two. speaking of folk music speaking of folk music um i chose a song called arbina by nuramint semali and nuramint semali is a as a griot from mauritania and oh no uh her music style is really cool because it it's kind of a blend of sort of like traditional Mauritanian, like Moorish sort of music and uh, like desert rock that's kind of popular in um, Saharan desert countries. So So it is. And honestly, that song goes real hard and you you all should listen to it. And also, um, and also she's a a cool lady. Um, Her father, Tanian national anthem. Very cool. (laughs) Awesome. Mm. Um, oh, I don't know when this song came out. I'll just check real quick. <laughs> wow. Totally not at all what I was expecting. Um, <laughs> Coming Home Baby by Mel Torme. Uh, oh, God. Why do I know the name Mel Torme? 
I don't know. Uh, First thing I thought was Marissa Tomei. Not not that, I don't think. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, great. the Christmas song Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. That's what I really? know. Really? Oh. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> he's got some other good songs. Uh, yeah. Really, really fun stuff. Coming home, baby. Um, cool. That's that's my one. My number two, and Alice will recognize this one, is Major Tom Coming Home by Peter Schiller. <laughs> it is still in my mind. It is still so good. It still has one of the most transcendent choruses in any piece of 80 synth pop of all time. Um, I, I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Awesome. I, I found a video of Mel Torme singing all that jazz. Oh, nice. How's it, how how is all that jazz? Wait, he's able to sing all the jazz? <laughs> all, Every all single jazz? Okay, does that mean we're ready to talk about um, get into this year? Yeah. I think it does, yeah. Okay, doke. So um, we are about to get into the International Year of the Child as declared by the UN. In honor of this, music for UNICEF concert was held featuring performances by Donna Summer. Earth, Wind, and Fire, The Bee Gees, Rod Stewart, and Eurovision's very own ABBA. That sounds Other fire. Musical... Yes. Minus. Other notable... Huh? What? I was just going to drop a, a, a mildly scathing take about the Bee Gees. Not that, not that hot, really. Just... For is it. it that they're not good? Yeah. <laughs> and okay. they, is it that they gentrified the disco genre? They gentrified the disco genre and they're dragging the good name of our Lord and Savior Disco through the mud. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue, but I can't because you're not wrong. Um, I'm not. Other I'm notable... not... Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> other notable musical achievements this year included the releases of Pink Floyd's The Wall. The Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight, the first single with rapping in it to be in the top 40 on U.S. Billboard charts, and Michael Jackson's Off the Wall. In terms of God politics, damn. there was a lot going on with the Iran hostage crisis beginning, the one-child policy being adopted in China, Pol Pot's regime falling in Cambodia, a black-led government in Rhodesia, present-day Zimbabwe, taking power for the first time in 90 years, President Park Chung-hee of South Korea being assassinated, and Margaret Thatcher, that big, fat, white, nasty-smelling fat bitch, was being elected the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Oh my god. <laughs> Are we keeping that in? <laughs> I mean, I went in. Oh god. Shout-outs no to... survivors, unlike the hostage uh... crisis. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mobile Suit Gundam premiered on Japanese TV. Yeah! Uh, yeah! It... Dan White was confirmed insane due to his excessive consumption of Twinkies, leading to a measly manslaughter charge for the premeditated murder of Harvey Milk and George Moscone. The first McDonald's whoa, single whoa. was opened. That feels but, wrong. I did not know that. Yeah. So basically, what happened was, um, you like you know who Harvey Milk is, right? Yeah. Love him. Yeah. So um, he was uh, murdered, and the person who they like confirmed that like the person who murdered him was Dan White, but. Uh, the, the court tried to he pled like not guilty on insanity claims and he, like the big like leading factor in determining that he was insane was that um he used to be very health conscious but like now he was eating like unhealthy things like twinkies and he was eating too much of them which means he must be insane now right and he couldn't be capable of oh my God. like having actual like <laughs> consciousness during the murder of two people so um 
he was brought up on manslaughter charges, which are like, isn't that like the the least severe murder charge? Yeah, it depends on the degree yeah. of manslaughter, but yeah, it should have been first degree murder, a thousand percent. All that is is homophobia. That's terrible. It is awful, and it also like um the the case coined the legal slang term Twinkie defense, which is um <laughs> oh my god, I've actually heard oh. of that. That I did not know where that came. Oh really? From. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a bullshit, like improbable defense claim that is used in court. But that's why interestingly, it has a direct connection to Twinkies and it actually helped lessen someone's sentence. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that good to know that our justice system has infrequently served justice. <laughs> the first McDonald's in Singapore was opened, isn't that awesome? awesome? Yeah. Uh, and the Soviet Union invaded uh, Afghanistan. Disco's favor was starting to wane with the rise of new wave synth pop and heavy metal with a disco demolition night taking place at Comiskey Park in Chicago. Uh, oh, disco demolition night. <laughs> and yeah, also, to yeah. be honest, fam, there's more politics to disseminate. National March for Gay Rights took place in Washington, D.C. China invaded North Vietnam, instigating the Sino-Vietnamese War. The Uganda-Tanzania... I spelled Tanzania wrong. War raged and ended, leading to the adoption. Wait, what? I skipped a line. Fuck. <laughs> okay, the Uganda Tanzania war raged and ended. Ayatollah Ruhollah Khomeini returned to Iran after 15 years of exile, triggering a rebellion, leading to the adoption of an Islamic government. And President Anwar Sadat of Egypt and PM Menachem Begin of Israel signed the Egypt Israel Peace Treaty. Also, isn't it wild that the Muppet movies release Sid Vicious, Sid Vicious being found dead and the Sahara Desert experiencing snow for 30 whole minutes all happened in the same year? Wow, jam-packed. It was jam-packed, and if you thought all that was wild, get ready for this, y'all. 24th Eurovision Song Contest was held on March 31st in the city of Jerusalem. hey It took a lot for me to get through, and I'm proud of myself for getting <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> uh, question. You don't have to know the answer to this. But uh -huh. do you know if the Israeli-Egypt peace accords were signed before or after Eurovision? Five days before. 26th oh. of March. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think that that question sort of brings us into the whole controversy corner of it all. Unless you have oh some God. things to say about 1979 as a whole. And not nothing yeah. that's more interesting than whatever this is about to be. Yeah, so... I mentioned that um, since we're doing 79, it was held in Jerusalem. I mentioned last week, I don't normally like to give away the winners of years because I think it's fun to like discover them, but I feel like for the context of this year, it's important to know that Israel won the year before in 1978, which meant that the Israeli broadcaster had the right to host it. They chose to host it in Israel, which is obviously in and of itself extremely controversial because the, mm. the debate of who has the right to Israel has been contested for pretty much all of human history, or at least all of the existence of the three major Abrahamic religions. Um, Jerusalem? Yeah, it's in Jerusalem, too. Yeah. Which is a choice. Yeah. It's a choice. It's a big choice. But um, no, Jonathan just said that Israel was... twice. Sorry, go for it. I'm oh, sorry, did I, did I say Israel when I meant to say Jerusalem? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I meant to say Jerusalem because it, it was held in Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. But, um... I was surprised to learn that the choice to hold it in Israel wasn't like incredibly controversial. Um, I wrote down in my notes that um, this actually went over pretty well, all things considered. Um, also compared to um, 
Tel Aviv hosting in 2019, it went much better, went over much better than that. Mm. But um, from what I understand, like widespread criticism of Israel was not as mainstream in the 70s um, as it is today. And Eurovision was composed almost exclusively of countries that politically aligned themselves with Israel. And because of a lesser degree of like globalization and less like uh, international communication, a lot of countries that weren't involved with Eurovision weren't really bothered by it, I don't think. One of the big negative reactions from one, a Eurovision country came from uh, Turkey. Mm. They had originally planned to participate this year um, with uh, the song Seviorum by Rita, Maria Rita Epic and 21 Peron. Uh, however, they were pressured to withdraw by other Muslim-majority countries, feeling it would be in poor taste for them to participate in such an extravagant sonic festival held in such a contested and controversial city that was being represented as an expressive, expressly Israeli and Jewish city on an international platform to be watched by an estimated 500 million. Um, so yeah. suffice to say they withdrew. Um, doesn't and, surprise me. Yeah. And I think it's, in, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I think it's interesting to see how things have changed because there wasn't much of a question of like, like people like I, the most of the countries involved with the Eurovision didn't really care that it was in Israel. Whereas in 2018, when Israel won the Eurovision Song Contest, um, after the winners reprise, the singer who won said "See you in Jerusalem," which was really controversial because that Ooh. kind of caused a holster in global media, and because um, Eurovision has grown in influence and in general, there's a lot more communication and connection between countries. That was kind of like a whole big international thing, but also for. Many, 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 many reasons. Uh, the 2019 contest was not held in Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. Aspects of the show that were controversial that I wouldn't have expected was, um, there were a lot of things, but um, mainly the production of it itself. So um, it was pretty troubled in the sense that Israeli television had never done a broadcast in color before, which I was surprised by, let alone a live huh. one. Damn. Um, yeah, and... Um, also, the Israeli economy was really struggling following the 73 Arab-Israeli war, with growth virtually seizing, inflation skyrocketing, and government spending augmenting. Uh, and furthermore, labor struggles were very prevalent in each Israeli economic sector. So, And Israel wasn't really in a place to, to be hosting such an expensive international event. But um, they did. Uh, and um, I read somewhere that the color equipment that they purchased for this estimated as around four hundred thousand dollars on its own. Oh, uh, unadjusted. Uh, I don't. It, I think it was like four hundred thousand dollars then, because the source that I read it from, like, was from nineteen seventy nine. Wow, that is a lot of money now. <laughs> it's a lot of money yeah. now. Um, one thing that is impressive is that, other than one like Dutch color TV advisor, the production was entirely Israeli. So they did that on their hmm. own. Nice. More controversial aspects up top. Uh, in the city of Jerusalem, there was some religious opposition among Orthodox religious people. Um, they objected to such a frivolous spectacle being held in their city, especially uh, since the contest occurred on Shabbat, which is like the sacred Jewish oh day of rest. Oh my God! So you can't. Uh, this this they contest... hosted in Jerusalem, pissing off not only the people that everyone <laughs> that piss off everyone. The people that want to lay claim to Jerusalem, the people that do lay, lay claim to Jerusalem. Oh my God. Yeah, this was just like so poorly thought out. Uh, has Israel hosted in between then and now? 
because I would imagine they have, that, and it was like, in Jerusalem again. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a choice. Uh, yeah, I think we're we're ready to get into the songs finally. Yeah. <laughs> All oh, right, actually, so, uh, b- so before before songs, I just gotta bring it up so that I don't bring it up at every song. The the interval vignettes on this what show were, those? <laughs> were fucking insane dude they, like were they so had surreal. just them, discovered green screen racist. technology or something <laughs> maybe off. maybe a little bit <laughs> i'm excited to maybe excited is not the right word but i'm interested to learn which ones of those might be yeah. I missed that. Yeah. um did but, you see oh, the irish man. intro that one i don't know if that that one didn't feel racist but it did feel weird they were all so long remember. too. They were like a full forty <laughs> seconds. I mean, you got to give time for st- staging changes. But I was having a lovely game of guess the country based on the vignette with myself. It was fantastic. I was doing that too. I still don't know what the, the German one was. We'll talk about it when we talk when we get, get to Germany. But yeah, <laughs> that one was weird. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, first on the night uh, was in fact Portugal. This was um, Manuela Bravo with the song Sobe, Sobe, Balo, Sobe, which means, I think it means like fly, fly, balloon, fly. Who wants to start on this one? I'll I'll take it. I thought the this song is good. <laughs> mm. This song, long pause, is good. Um, I thought the, the I really enjoyed like the start of the song itself. Like the little intro section was f- full of lovely bombast and a way to get into it. And then the chorus, once it hits, was very fun and groovy. But there's a weird drop off in between the intro and the first verse where it's a, a fun intro. It's great. And then I wrote down train crashing into tunnel.gif because it just sort of like halts and goes into a it, it very suddenly drops out the energy and goes into her singing a fairly snoozy verse which then picks back up into a groove for the chorus. And so that was weird, but I liked it overall. Um, let's see. I thought of this song uh, somewhat similar to Ellis, although I didn't take it in a negative way. There was a, a bit of a clash between the verses and the chorus, but I, yeah, I don't know why I didn't take it in a negative way, because I kind of felt that after the, the first verse was cool, and it took the song in a different direction. Uh, it took the song in one direction, and the chorus pretty much flipped that around and took it into a much more um, energetic, almost like some kind of uh, a little bit of a samba influence that I thought I could I could see there. Um, 
great horn section. As we will learn later in the show, oh. I am a sucker for brass. Um, <laughs> I thought this song was cool. I thought the stage was cool. Like you were saying, Jonathan. The stage about, is neat. About the mm. production cost. This stage was awesome. It's these three rotating rings at different angles that kind of look like the symbol for the Israeli broadcasting service. Um, and during, you know, d- depending on the songs, they would be lit up differently or paused at different locations, or they would keep on turning throughout. And it was really cool. In this song, they were moving and it like it added energy to it. And in other songs, the way, you know, the angles, uh, as they are, they're they're paused, I guess, in their movement. But it'll like point to the singer. It'll create some kind of logo in the background. That's very well designed staging. Um, also for this song, the outfit choice. I quite enjoy the colors here. They're like a mix uh, between pastel and jewel tone, which I know is kind of oxymoronic, but out like vibrant Easter hues almost. Um, yeah, I I was a big fan of that. Uh, say yeah about the song itself though. I think of art like it's a good way to start the show. I feel it has some energy. I there is a pretty big shift in the beginning, but I didn't notice that energy falling away like Ellis did. I thought it was fairly like not not that the level of energy was consistent throughout, but the way that she was able to perform it was pretty consistent aside from that first big shift. Um, I thought it was fun. I was grooving along. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with both of you. I, yeah, I definitely think that there were certain aspects of the song sonically that were a little bit too disparate, but ultimately I wasn't really bothered by that. I thought it had like great energy. The, the, the um, singer Manuela had great stage presence and she was feeling the song uh and i really liked the outfits i liked how each like backing vocalist had a different color um sort of similar to malta 1975 where it kind of had this fun rainbow effect and i thought it was it was very colorful in more ways than one uh yeah i don't know what else i can say that you guys haven't already said this is a good one great way to start and this was decided actually i i asked this question to you would there have been any songs Mm, besides perhaps a few near the end that would not have been good songs to start. I feel like a lot of them had that energy. Um, that was honestly a good point. Um, the, uh, yes. Ireland might not have been, might not have uh, been the one. Uh, France. Luxembourg, Wait, maybe. no, not France. Well, Luxembourg, France would have been slightly kind of weird. There's France one would have been weird. Oh, Austria, would have, Austria would have been a really weird song to start with, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, I don't. I didn't like that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, there's. Oh, Norway. Norway would have been a bad start. That's my. Yes. But yeah, I agree. This but, was. Um, this was a fantastic starting song. It made me very excited for the yes. rest of the contest. For a contest. Yeah. Which is what a starting song should do. Absolutely. Oh, and about the stage too. Um, I definitely agree with you, Milan. That this. We're getting. We were talking about the production of the show. One thing I failed to mention was that this ultimately comes off as a very like expensive show, and it. Really went off without a hitch, and it was very successful. So, despite the fact that the expectations were low going into it, they really pulled it out in the end. Yeah, yeah, well done. Yes. So, um, 
Do you think that she will be uh, able to do well for Portugal despite going first? I do. Because I think it's it's a good song, and I think the... I don't know. I, I think of the first spot as less of a curse, I think, than you do, which might just because be because I don't know nearly as much about history of Eurovision placings as you. But like, I think this will benefit from it because it's a good, memorable start to the show, which reflects positively on the song. But I think this will do well. I'm with, I'm with Ellis. I don't think it's winning material. Actually, yeah. I know it's not winning material because Salvador Sobral was their first win. 2017 um however (laughs) i i do think this was pretty good it's definitely in my top half so i'm i'm gonna say it's probably around like the eighth spot maybe yeah i can get with that i think it could sneak up a couple places higher but i think eight sounds about right okie dokie so that means we're ready to move on to song number two which was from italy agio di luna by Mattia Bazaar. And before we talk about it, we're heading to Fun Fact Fjord. Welcome to the Fun Fact Fjord. Yeah, so two small things. Um, Mattia Bazaar has won the San Remo Music Festival on two separate occasions in 1978 and 2002. Um, And San Remo is an Italian song contest, which is actually the the contest that the Eurovision Song Contest was based on. Huh, neat. That's interesting. Um, Hmm. And also, um, my opinion, less fun. What are they called? Mattia Bazaar was also the first Eurovision entry to ever not have used an orchestral backing or a conductor. So this was a backing track. Oh, interesting. And I think you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. To expand on that a little bit, um, kind of sounds like a demo to me. Almost it, something about it doesn't seem complete. I think the backing track is a little bit... Uh, leave something to be desired and is kind of missing is kind of like je ne sais quoi. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some 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 weird synth choices. Definitely are, and I think in general, this song isn't very good. Um, yeah. The the singer isn't very confident and is very bad at miming playing guitar, or the male singer <laughs> at least. Um, and this, okay, and then I wasn't ultimately offended by any aspect of the song except for like the annoying like I didn't like that. God, that also, was awful I, too because the leveling on it was really bad. They and were so too the, loud. <laughs> they were way too loud. And so the people doing the background, like, I guess, like, twiddles were just as loud, if not louder, than the person actually carrying the melody. And it was mm, bad, 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 bad. Yeah. And speaking of what could possibly be even worse, was uh, the female singer's outfit was truly horrendous. I hated it so much. Why did she have her name on it? Let me tell... Okay, so 
she is wearing like boot cut maroon leggings with a tank top that is almost the same color but not quite and she has like used like glitter puffy paint to put the name of her band <laughs> on her like two dollar from michael's tank top um oh. yeah well, i wasn't really featuring that personally <laughs> uh, the, I, the, uh, the name like, on it was just cracking me up it yeah this person is clearly confident in themselves and in their ability to perform and in the, the, mm. clearly in their ability to look good um and i don't think they did well in either in any of those three categories so <laughs> uh i did not actually notice that this was lacking orchestration i did notice that the instrumentation was grating at times like it wasn't tinny i'll say but it was overly bubbly in a way that mm. i was not a fan of like like ellis said there were some choices made with the synth here that would have been uh better if they were not made at all a um, couple of them were very <laughs> we shop channel oh yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> the the first uh. time that it so there's like two main singers i think the first time that the female mm. singer sings is she's doing this kind of accompaniment but she is way louder than the than the guy who's singing the verse so you just can't hear him at all um which yeah. i thought was wild yeah uh, i do think though it is fairly simple and fun like i can imagine this having a pretty strong commercial appeal to it but definitely not here definitely not now her outfit looked like she was going to the gym like i've seen <laughs> i've seen people you know over here in redmond wearing that exact thing to whatever workout location mm -hmm. they they're going to it's funny yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of you said that um all of these choices there were a lot of choices but they would be best not made i entirely yeah. agree and to like bring it back to my thoughts on is if the song is making choices like i was talking about in the 98 episode this song is making a lot of choices and i guess i can appreciate that but um all of them are wrong <laughs> like except the hair the hair is pretty good <laughs> man the song i think i and... disagree with you there <laughs> really yeah it's... well okay it's not bad it's of the era it's but very of the era style of hair is present again later in a much much worse, worse. ways yes so Agreed. i guess in that way you're right that this is the best of the show perhaps as far as that particular hairstyle goes best 70s hair of the show yeah okay <laughs> yes i agree also just before we go to the next one this was my favorite vignette of the night it was like oh, yeah, that was funny some some tilting some moving leaning tower of pisa absurdity that was giving me light terry gilliam vibes in a good way <laughs> yes well in spite of our criticism um i i can't imagine this doing well because there's a lot of good stuff this year and this is not good and is technically stuff so true i'm with whatever i heard of ellis um <laughs> in that this will not do well this was a very strong year 
And if you're boring or bad, uh, you're going to get sunk. So I think I would place this one out of the 19, probably like 16 or 15, maybe. All right. So I think we're about to move on to what could be considered the antithesis of bad and boring. This is Denmark <laughs> with... <laughs> what? Do you, do you disagree? I do disagree. We'll, we'll chat. Okay. The antithesis of... It's not bad and boring. Oh, okay, never mind, never mind. Isn't that what that means? Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. I just misheard you, clearly. Okay. Okay, cool. I, I panicked for a second, because I thought we were about to throw hands. Anyway, this is Denmark's <laughs> Tommy Seabach with Disco Tango. Who wants to start on this one? All right, given that I, I this clearly came in with a raging passion for this song, although it was misguided, <laughs> I, I thought this song was super fun. The yeah. intro was too slow. My very first thoughts when I heard the first few notes are, wow, this song has two genres in its name and neither of them are here. But it picks up very quickly. Uh, and it's in Danish, which is pretty fun. This was the song that mm. mentioned uh, Disco Tag. Loving it. Ooh. There was a, a subtle four on the floor beat, which uh, made this song more danceable than it should have been. Like, it wasn't particularly... It, it was energetic, but it was more of like a, a groove energy than it was really a bop energy, if that makes sense. You couldn't jump around to this song, but you could certainly kind of like sway on the dance floor to this. Yeah. Um, and I think that is mm. credit to the to that four on the floor bass line. Um, and it's it's at like 142, which is a, a good clip. Like, I think yeah. this, the, the yeah. speed of this song I quite liked. There was and the return of the bump, the bombastic horn. Oh, I loved it though. It was so good. Yes. There was there was like a Louis Armstrong style um, trumpet whine at one point. I'm a sucker <laughs> for that. It was it. I I okay. I don't know how to explain it, but to me, the horn section felt like an energetic purple, like like the electric blue equivalent for purple. Okay. In that okay, synesthesia. Yeah, well, I don't actually have that, but I feel like it. Was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, in that it added to the color palette of this already pretty bopping and grooving song in a very strong and vibrant way. Um, mm. The chorus. My one complaint about this song is that the chorus felt like it was being slowed down in order to allow listeners to sing along to it. it was oh, interesting. Almost like stuttering mm. I, compared to the flow of the rest of the song. It was very slow. It was very simplistic lyrically. It wasn't particularly fun in any way, I thought. like I get 
I can get the point of perhaps giving the listener a little bit of a break every now and then in a song. Um, 100 Decks does not do that. However, <laughs> <laughs> other artists are, you know, like uh, if a song is in movements, and I know that movements are usually perhaps for longer pieces, but you can break it down into a pop song of three minutes length. Um, there, there are times when it's okay to slow down and when it's okay to like give that break. But in this case, it felt wrong. It felt like it was breaking the song for a minute, and then they they stitched it back together in the next verse. Mm, so agreed. I I thought, and hear me out here, I thought this song was some hot trash, but I also <laughs> loved it. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the yeah. 2003 uh, oh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah yeah like i don't think that this song is very good that said it is very enjoyable and fun to listen to but there are a lot of really puzzling choices like for one mm-hmm. sitting your singer at a piano on stage in a disco song <laughs> why why? So why is everyone wearing muted colors? Yeah, why I would you that. make a fun up-tempo dance song and then sit him on stage at a giant-ass instrument and make him, make him pretend to play piano? Give him, uh, give him a mic stand and let him throw it out of the way and then, like, boogie. Why you... That so that was yeah, and a, I feel like hmm. I feel like the backing vocalists are really trying to like make this like no no one like a dance one a, one backing vocalist Debbie the one on the one on the left is named Debbie Cameron she ends up representing uh, Denmark like as a as like a lead singer at one point she is fabulous Neat. and she was giving it her absolute all <laughs> yeah the they gave the backup singers castanets or something. Oh, I love that cracking me up. And also, I think I, I, I need I might need to listen back to it again to confirm this. But I think at one point in the first half of the song, the lead singer was up too close on his mic and was clipping it. Like, oh. I think I I heard a little bit of distortion, which was cracking me up. And I like I don't know if I actually did or if I was just making that up, but that feels so on brand with the rest of the song that I choose to believe it's true. Like it actually happened because this was, I think, the song itself musically is a bit of a mess. The staging is a bit of a mess, but it all comes together in a really enjoyable way. I I honestly consider the staging like that, Ellis. But you're totally. I am a sucker for brass, so I completely overlooked that. <laughs> yeah. I echo everything that you guys have said, but we have not talked about my favorite part of the performance, which was they did a shot where Tommy was perfectly framed by the tambourine that the middle yeah. backing singer was holding. I thought that was a lot of fun. Oh, I that was super fun. I feel like in general, the camera work was really good on this one. <laughs> This was, however, one of my complaints, aside from the chorus thing, which, you know, is minor. I was watching this performance, and I thought, how in the hell did 
this hairstyle ever, ever possibly be considered attractive in any way? <laughs> I look, I, nothing about that hair on that man has any appeal in any universe. It look, <laughs> it's, it's making his head look smaller. <laughs> it's crazy how this was okay, how it was allowed. <laughs> How it was not criminalized. I don't understand. Can you imagine having sex with that guy? No. <laughs> it's all because of the hair. It's all because of the hair. I would say it's also because of the mustache. Maybe that too. But that's technically hair. <laughs> <laughs> Relocated hair. <clears throat> it's just... It, I, okay. Do you know those little like microphone oh. toy things where you could like pop the microphone top off? And it's like this kind of fuzzy ball on top, and then you could press a button and it went boop. No, but sure. Okay, no. he looks like that, and I <laughs> hate it. I hate it so much. I don't know if this was like One an attempt I... at a white afro, but it's disgusting. <laughs> One thing that I do like, though, is that if he straightened it, I think that it would be a very blunt bob, and I would like that. <laughs> that might be, that would be better. Oh. <laughs> Could you imagine, though, like that entire look, but just with like a straight blunt bob? <laughs> God. That would be a whole other choice in and of itself. Like the fucking, the, the woman from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. But, Very. Uh, oh, but man. Tommy Seabach. <laughs> what did we think about the results for this one? <laughs> I don't know. I think Top because it's five. jury vote, it'll get boomed. But I don't know. I'm thinking maybe low top five, maybe number five, maybe number six, maybe number seven. Top ten for sure. That was a long way of saying top ten. <laughs> Got it. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is that, um, like how Mullen discovered in 20, or no, 1975, um, the juries had to be a certain amount of older people and a certain amount of younger people. I think it was... A certain amount of like a certain quota had to be above 25 and a certain quota had to be below 25. Yeah. So I feel like this could appeal to the, the younger vote, perhaps. So I think that means we're ready to move on. We've been recording too long to be only be at song number four, but we're at song number four. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all my fault. And uh, this is <laughs> this is Ireland with Cattle Dunn and the song Happy Man. And I am watching the postcard, and oh I can see how God. you found this to be culturally insensitive, Melon. It's <laughs> yeah, wild. It was cute, it's, but like not in a good way. I don't know if that makes much sense. It was cute, but to, it like to depicts Irish it. people as like drunks. <laughs> to yeah. describe it for the listeners at home, it is okay. the exact opposite of a two-person horse costume, where <laughs> there are yeah. there are two people, and they're each in costumes. Where when 
they, they they are leaning over so that they're like in full downward dog hands touching the ground but it's made to look as if their arms are legs and they are two people so their legs are legs and their arms are legs and it's two people that meet in their torso hugging what? Yeah, yeah. arms are legs? They're, the yeah. actor's arms are legs of the other person of the second person in the in the costume and so they're hey, I'm too stupid to understand this wait <laughs> It's, it's one at person it. bent Here, over wait. a shocking angle. Let me, let me share my screen. <laughs> what? It's two people? It, well, no, so, so, so here. It's two people in total. The, yes. yes. This is a person. They, their feet are here. <laughs> their legs go up to here. This is where their waist is. And then it goes down. And these are their arms. And That's so not okay. These people are in downward dog, flopping around, pretending to dance, and it's really clear when they, when one person, one character does a lift on the other one, because on one it's like them awkwardly kicking into a semi handstand, and the, but the other side is them just like lightly standing up. <laughs> oh, Sh- should we recreate this for the Patreon? <laughs> we absolutely oh, we should. Yeah. I it also, would be they're terrible for their backs, I'd imagine. Being I mean, yeah, these are probably really talented. Like Cirque du Soleil or something. Honestly, this is the only thing that we need to talk about for this song, I feel like. Because I... the actual song performance itself has some things to be desired for me. Yeah, okay, yes, but this might honestly be my favorite Irish song that we've covered so far. I liked this one a lot. I thought it was cheesy as all hell, but mm. it was it, like it was cheesy and all hell, but it was also really enjoyable for me. And I thought the dude was very charming and I loved his outfit. And the song was like, this is nice. This man to me, it's the lyrics personally. There were multiple problems with this song. This was not one of them. This is just a comment. His torso was about half as long as his legs. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it was just the outfit making him look like High-waisted that. pants. But, like, this guy mm. was on stilts and had no upper body. It was insane just how... I mean, you can, you can waste your pants as high as you want, but I don't <laughs> think it's possible to explain quite exactly what was going on here <laughs> oh my god i just thought his legs were so long it's so long upsetting oh for what it's worth though i think this song has finally allowed me to the to come to the realization of how much i love this stupid 70s like squire shirt and a vest outfit thing this one is not as piratey as other ones we've seen but the whole like ridiculous poofy linen shirt with a vest over it, I kind of love it. I kind of dig it. <laughs> I thought it was pirate. I got I, pirate from this. I've seen more piratical ones. Maybe like gay librarian. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. It, whatever it is, I like it. Um, I like this song. <laughs> this this song to me felt so done. Like I've heard the exact same song so many times 
so popular in the 70s and 80s. Like, just the motifs present were very, very commonplace. It felt like an appeal to uh, the audience almost in a way where it's like, hey, I've heard this song before. I know it. Even though you haven't, because it's, to me at least, it reminded me almost exactly of a song that I can unfortunately not name right now. Oh, I hate when that happens. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I I get that. This is one of those ones where, like, I really enjoyed it, but I by no means am going to make any attempt to defend it because I understand that it's cheesy and uh, of dubious quality. (laughs) But I I enjoyed it. I thought his voice was eh, subpar. It was it was fine. Um, But the lyrics, like Jonathan mentioned, were also so cheesy. Like, I'm fine if you have cheesy instrumentals and interesting lyrics or cheesy lyrics and interesting instrumentals, but this was neither. It was fondue. It was cheese fondue. It was <laughs> friggin' poutine without the fries. <laughs> it was just not my, not my cup of tea. However, the reason that I recognize that song in so many other songs is because it was super popular with, I mean, with good reason, a lot of people enjoyed it. So I'd imagine that this song mm-hmm. is going to do probably spectacularly. Yeah. I think it'll, it, you know what? The, it may also end up getting the, the standard Ireland boost. Oh yeah, for sure. This one reminded me of, do you know the song? My lovely horse or something from oh. father Ted. Oh no, I haven't seen that much father Ted. Oh, okay. There was an episode where, the main characters went to Eurovision and the song that they sang was my, called My Lovely Horse and it reminds me a oh. lot of this. Okay, mm. I gotta watch that then. <laughs> yeah, in, in typical 70s Ireland Eurovision fashion, this was good, <laughs> is one way to put it. Um, I thought that the whole thing was pretty dated. I think his outfit was very early 70s, kind of like hippie vibes and then the song itself was Really mediocre, but also something that I would have expected from earlier in the 70s. Um, I wrote in my notes that it's safe to assume that everyone involved in this performance was native English speaker, and that disturbs me just based on the lyrics because <laughs> they are so trite <laughs> You're and so bad. Right. I didn't even but, recognize um, that, but you're totally right. That's funny. Yeah, but... Um, but as, there's something slightly comforting about this, because like in the 70s, you know Ireland is going to send something so cheesy and something so just <laughs> like cheesy. That's, that's the word. And I don't think that's necessary. It's bad, but it's not, it's comforting and enjoyable in certain ways, I would say. <laughs> All right. So Millen, you said this one will probably do well by your, yeah, it, your it's, judgment. Got the you, it's got the, mm. of the time boost. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, it's widely appealing enough that I think it'll get like middle to high. It'll get middle to high votes, but it'll get middle to high votes from a lot of people and push it upwards. Lovely. Uh, after Ireland was song number five, which was Katson Sinan Taiwan by Katri Elena from Finland.
I love this. I think this might have the best instrumentation and like composition of the night, just because it's really well with the song. Because they start with like a staccato string intro, which creates a really good mood, and then the, the horns come in towards the end, and I thought that that was, I don't know, just really impactful and added a lot to it. I said that this song kind of reminds me of a heavy snowfall, or like the, the type of music that would play as like snow starts and then like the drama escalates. Um, oh, and to bring it back to the um, like the weird uh, brass squeals that were present in the Danish song also, I thought it was a little um, pitchy for me. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I can't say I do. I don't think I do either. It went like <laughs> in the chorus. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think I'd like give it another listen. Yeah. There, no, but you know how in like the in um, disco tango there was like those yeah, really high notes yeah. of brass. They had those in this one, but it sounded worse for me. <laughs> Yeah. I thought it was a great song, I, yeah. great performance. She looked great, voice great. Good, yeah, good, I'm, good. I'm with you. This did a great job of doing the the like ramp up that I'm always talking about. Where yes. it it starts kind of low and then it ramps up into a powerful chorus and then drops back down again a little bit, but like gently and not jarringly, and then ramps right back up again into another great chorus with like Powerful singing, powerful brass, great use of the orchestra. Like this one, this song is paced perfectly. So I, I think that was like that. That was just. There's so many songs in Eurovision that do that poorly, and this was a breath of fresh air in that regard. Um, I was a little bit confused by some of the chord progressions, but like that didn't hold it back in any means this was this was good and it ended really well too yeah i think i'm i'm totally with you both i love this song this is an example of 70s hair done well oh um, she looks great uh, yeah she looks great her dress <laughs> is simple but nice very like she, very elegant yeah. and luxe um she looks more modern than everyone else on this show uh, there was one. I think it's the hair. Yeah, I, it's probably the hair. There was. Uh, I'm saying Norway. I don't know. Never mind. We'll get to that later. There was one other dress that I thought was very modern as well. Um, yeah. But this one, uh, loved the song, loved the drama of it. There, the the kind of key change moment that Ellis was talking about is coordinated perfectly. There's so many times when I've talked about oh, this key change adds drama and energy to it, but then it immediately falls flat again. And that is not the case here. They were able this song to never falls flat, even when it goes back down. Never falls flat. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's so well-timed, uh, everything about it. And it, I mean, like, this is a perfect example of a song taking moments to calm down, you know, little micro-movements, if you will. Um, and it works so well, and her voice is great, and I've added it to my personal playlist. Yes. A ringing endorsement. I think also, to bring it back to Soul and Conviction, this has Soul and Conviction to the max. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think that the, the juries will like this one as much as we did? Hopefully. Like, I, this is one where 
we like it and i don't think it's the type of song that is going to get screwed by the jury like it's a song that appeals to us and i think it'll appeal to them as well i see nothing but bright things in this song's future i'm with ellis on this one as well um this is probably within my top no this is definitely within my top five um i don't think it'll win this year uh just because we have some more songs later on that are more contemporary to the time you know i think the judges will attach onto that strongly um but i mean i think it should be in the top five and if it's not definitely top 10 all right vroom vroom we're fucking driving into monaco baby hey cars we got the the man who was spinning around because he was driven by too fast (gasps) that is correct and after that we saw monaco's song which was notre vie c'est la musique by laurent wagner And this may be uncomfortable. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, his energy is—he has a bad, bad energy. Like he seems so nervous, and it's upsetting as the viewer. My, my, my whole notes are: this is trash, annoying baseline, weak voice, creepy mustache. Looks like a bundle of nerves, dumb lyrics, such nervous energy. I feel uncomfortable. Box all charisma, charisma score of about seven or eight by D&D standards. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, he, he is, his entire face and head and shoulders are just moving all over the place for the whole song and they don't <sighs> stop and it's really funny. But... And he does the thing that I do when I get anxious where like my shoulders just like go like up, 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 up until they like reach my ears. And oh, like, yeah. it's, yeah, I just, yeah. I feel uncomfortable because really... I feel his anxiety. That's so interesting. I didn't it... read it that yeah. as anxiety at all. Yeah, I'd totally say I read it as enthusiastic and like having fun. Yeah, I thought he was hamming oh. it up, but I, I can see it. <laughs> I can see it both ways, honestly. Um, the thing about this one though is that I think the good bits of this are really good. And then the bad bits of this are really bad. And it's like, there's a, there's there's both. There are good things and there are bad things in the song. And they're so polarized that the song itself ends up somewhere in the middle. It's like an undecided voter. Mm. I, mm. I thought I didn't notice the bad parts in this song that much. Like, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great by any means. Yeah. Um, but I would not call it actively harmful to the listener let's say (laughs) yeah yeah no yeah it had some pretty funky bass which i was into there wasn't much else going for it though there was a little bit of brass and you know that wins some points with me but (laughs) not enough to make this song particularly stand out in any way um yeah there was also this like hey hey call and response bit that felt Uh, very out of place for the rest of the Mm -hmm. song and it never came up again. It only happened like once or twice, I think. And it was just a weird decision lyrically. Didn't feel necessary. It didn't feel... 
it felt gimmicky, I guess, like switching languages. Um, but I mean, other than that, it's like a, got a pretty simple kind of guitar line, pretty simple orchestration and instrumentation. And the backing singers aren't like detracting from his performance in any way, but it doesn't stand out either. Yeah. One thing, an- another thing that I thought was funny, just like it made, makes absolutely no impact on my overall interpretation of the song. But in the chorus, he says, what I assume he's saying is la plus belle, which means like the, the more beautiful, the most beautiful. But I kept hearing it as la poubelle, which means the trash can. <laughs> so that was, that, that was just a hearty chuckle on my, on my end. Yeah. I know actually lyrics in my notes. I will say that they are kind of fun. I like how he talks about like rock and roll and the blues from Harlem. That was kind of fun, I guess. Maybe I'm just like projecting my own anxiety onto him now that I hear your kind of opinions on <laughs> the um, performance. But like, I mean, I, I don't know. Even mean, aside from that, I feel like he's that. just doing way too much to the point that it's distracting and upsetting. Yeah, like, even just like, absolutely. even if you don't interpret his like facial expressions or his body gyrations as nerves i feel like it's still undeniably like too much <laughs> yeah no i don't yeah. know i feel like he's having fun but doesn't quite know how to like or have fun properly yeah it's fun to have yeah. fun but you have to know how <laughs> yes that is um, such a good <laughs> it is really applied by. yeah <laughs> yes um and Oh, what was I going to say? Like vocally as well, he his voice doesn't add much to it, but the way that he sings uh, gives it a little bit more flavor. I don't know. I'm fine with this song. I I think his movement actually made it. It was a little bit weird, yeah, but I I kind of enjoyed it nonetheless. I was like, all right, I'm having fun with this. He's having fun with this. Why not go for it? You know, be yourself, dude. Yeah. Do you think the jury's We'll think it's fine or no, not. Probably not. <laughs> I, 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 no, this is going to get, this is going to get screwed by the jury. Yeah. This is going to be way at the bottom. Um, I don't know. I, I think it deserves in the middle somewhere. Like, I don't think it was, like I said, I don't think it was terrible. I don't think it was harmful. <laughs> yeah. But I, I cannot imagine it doing well again, considering the rest of the competition being so generally strong yeah definitely so with that we're moving on to song number seven which was socrati by elpida from greece that's the, the return of so- yes <laughs> I'm obsessed with this. This is, <laughs> it's, I, I don't even know where to start. It's, this song is very overly dramatic and there are some things about this performance that I think definitely don't work, but I think that the things that don't work combined with the things that do just make something really special to me. I don't know. I, I feel like the outfits are really weird. I feel like it's 
Greek mythic meets peasant meets biblical garb. It's very Xanadu. Very Xanadu. Which was that, 79? That was 80. That was the year after. 80, all right. Um, I also thought the choreography was real fun. There was this weird, like, primitive conga line thing that they did. <laughs> where they just, like, put their hands on the other person's shoulders and, like, kind of shimmied. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I liked um, towards the end when they, like, kept, like, doing, like, one step forward with the beat. That was fun. I, I, w- one thing that I think is weird and shouldn't work but i think is kind of funny is that there are like three points in the song where it seems like the song is about to end but it doesn't and for the first one i was like oh wow this song is just like a minute long that's like kind of iconic but then it ended up just having like a weird climactic part that ended up going on for a few more minutes but um yeah i love this i think in terms of the two eurovision songs that were about socrates i think this one uh is is my personal prep preference but no disrespect to um beethoven (laughs) yeah i i'm gonna have to disagree with you i think i prefer the other one on virtue of it was more interesting to me like i didn't mind this one i thought this was perfectly fun and i enjoyed the staging and like the aesthetic of it but it dragged a little for me which is like i think this is another like personal taste thing where i just prefer things that are i guess denser and more actively interesting so this was not my favorite but i like it's not a bad song by any means yeah i will definitely say that this is quite simplistic and repetitive yeah i wasn't really bothered by that personally though yeah (laughs) I did not like the superstar line. That Socrates. One. <laughs> I, I don't speak Greek, but I assume they were just saying Socrates is a superstar because that's oh, what yeah. it sounded like. Totally. Yeah. My, in my it's notes, so I stupid, wrote, but like also superstar. very funny. Yeah. I heard superstar about Socrates is a little bit dated. Come on. He's had his day in the sun, right? Yeah. Um, I actually think I prefer the 88 version. <laughs> of a Socrates yeah, song. I, yeah. I'm afraid I have to agree. I, I thought the outfits, I like the orange. I, I saw them as like a kind of toga esque thing. Yeah. Like yeah, a yeah. little bit harkening mm. back to the Greek forum days, you know? Um, yes, you do. I liked the orange toga esque pieces. The rest of them felt uh, boring, under designed in a way. <laughs> you know, you could, you could step to this song, I believe, but I don't think. Not, not that danceability is uh, a necessary standard or metric, but it was clearly trying to be a more up-tempo song and at the same time a ballad, and it didn't go fully in either direction. Like, there are pop ballads that do that well, but this one did not catch that same level of conviction, I guess. It didn't, it didn't have that same level of sticking to one lane i think um i think that this is one of the many songs that we've covered that is only kind of a song yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and lyrically it was it i wasn't cheesy but it wasn't well well written i feel um <laughs> and something in the instrumentation too was just too repetitive and simple you know to the point where after the first bar, I was like, okay, I get it. I, I was no longer able to kind of connect to the song. Yeah. Yeah. They really give you everything that the song has to offer within the first, like, 30 seconds. 
Okay, King, give us nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Very that. Um, another thing that I didn't like um, about this was at the end, they had, they ended it with this weird off-center long shot that I didn't appreciate. Oh, I don't think I but, um, saw that. It was weird. They like did like a pan out where the stage was kind of pushed towards the left, and then you could see like all the spotlights and some of the rows of seating. Oh, it yeah. was weird. There were a lot, there were some weird camera shots this year. This was one of them, but um, I still really love this one, even if it is kind of weird. Uh, I think the song will do fine. I think uh, <laughs> I don't think it's good, but I don't think it's bad either. I'm so confused as to why that keeps happening. It's yeah, who knows? I don't think it'll do well. Like I don't think I th- this can't do that well, right? 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 <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> as usual. I'm excited for this next one. <laughs> yes, I am also excited about this next one. It is song number eight, which is strangely is translated to as dawdler and company. I didn't know if that was a real word. Apparently, I think it means trash collector. Oh, well, that, that tracks. That does. Dawdler is someone who takes more time than necessary lags behind. That seems weird, but it's about trash. Anyway, it's by um, Peter, Sue, Mark, Fudi, Gorps, and Knuri from Switzerland. <laughs> The ultimate power move is just naming your band the names of all six members. <laughs> Peter, Bjorn, and John, and, and Steve, and Lars. That's exactly what ABBA did, but smarter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, it's, one thing I will say, though, is that it is a combination of two different groups who both of them just happen to be the first names of all three members. Oh, that's really funny. That explains so much. Out of curiosity, <laughs> are the two groups the three people on the left and the three people on the right because they would be there is a there is a very clear divide on this stage we're on the left we've got a dude seated at a grand piano uh a dude singing in a 70s poofy shirt and some some plaid pants and a woman in like a a, a nice white jumpsuit they're doing their eurovision thing singing a song then on the right we have a group of what appears to be three swiss hillbillies making (laughs) music out of the stuff that they found lying around at the county dump this includes playing a watering can as a horn and playing a, a hose as a horn and using shears as a hi-hat just like opening and closing them it's insane it's if finland from 1975 went full out and went full hillbilly instead of just having a fiddle and a banjo (laughs) i'm glad you brought those instruments up because that brings us to controversy corner oh Oh my god (laughs) controversy corner i'm very slight controversy um Yes, uh, the Swiss delegation ran into some problems at Ben Gurion Airport 
where they had to explain why a group of musicians were traveling with garden shears, trash bags, rakes, reapers, and bottle openers. <laughs> oh my god. Forget, for like, sort of, forget the electronic music musician getting pulled over because they think his modular synths are a bomb. It's just <laughs> this is the super analog version of that. Right, and also Fun Fact Fjord. Welcome to the Fun Fact Fjord. Oh, we have a two and one F, double C all in one. <laughs> um, Peter, what are the names? Peter, Sue, and Mark. Yeah. Ugh. Question mark. And then um, Gorps and Kniti. Yeah. Um, so Peter, Sue, and Mark have represented Switzerland three times in three different languages, which is oh. A Eurovision record. That is a really fun fact. And also, another thing that I'm thinking about right now is that we were talking about how this name is like unreasonably long. It reminded me, in yeah. 1985, for Luxembourg, there was a group that went by Frank Olivier, Diane Solomon, Irene Shear, Chris, and Malcolm Roberts. <sighs> like, that was the name that like w like was on the screen. Before they started, like, what? What's that? Why about? does and everyone have a last name except for Chris and Margot? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, but um, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I mean, Alice, you really hit the nail on the head. This is just um, the lyrics. I was curious about the lyrics. I looked them up. Um, Wait, did did you finish that, or did you cut out after this? Is just, I think I said this is just wild. Oh, okay. I guess I must have cut out a little bit, but yeah. um, looked at the lyrics. Apparently, it's uh, a satire about popular music. Oh, I, I think because like the lyrics are like, "We are a trash band that plays our trash songs with trash instruments." And I think it's like a critique of like disposable pop music and like fabricated music groups and like things like that, <laughs> which is not <laughs> what I would have expected after viewing it. But um, interesting nonetheless. Crazy crazy to me that switzerland's entry in eurovision 1979 could so perfectly predict k-pop idol groups hey yo what hot take is it like artificially constructed or corporately oh. constructed music <laughs> pew, 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 pew. um what was i gonna say dude this song started off so strong so strong with the thickest, rollingest, that's not a word, bounciest bass of all time, straight mm -hmm. out of a Boney M tune. And I was so, <laughs> so excited for it because I love Boney M. <clears throat> we got the harmonica in there. The everything about the instrumentation screamed like Zydeco and bluegrass, and it was so yeah. folksy in such a cool way. And the creative use of uh, instruments, like the twang of this rake, yeah. spectacular, so good. The vocalists were terrible. I was, <laughs> I, I was loving it. The first word gets sung, I'm immediately brought down from a ten to a two. It <laughs> makes it makes total sense now that you say that these are two groups put together, you know, kind of forced into into one space. Because it felt, at the time, bad. But looking back on it, much like a Project Runway group challenge, where two, group, you know, two contestants have strong ideas and don't collaborate enough and say, all right, okay, 
look, we all we both use the color pink at some point. You know, there was no connection. There was no connection at all. Between... Yeah, but it's it's kind of great though. <laughs> yeah, I for, I did not for like... those. Of... <laughs> Sorry, go for it. Oh, I was gonna real quick for those of you watching Canada's Drag Race. This is very um, the challenge where Jimbo, Ilona, and um, someone else whose name I'm forgetting had a design challenge and very much like you said no one spoke up and everyone looked too different and terrible (laughs) (laughs) i know me the other one i was thinking of but um but yeah you can definitely tell that these are two very different groups that are working together it shouldn't work but i i would agree with ellis that i think it does (laughs) somehow i think the vocals fall so flat in comparison to the raw power and BDE of the of the instrument. The guy with like <laughs> the high tins taped to his knees, just slamming them together. Talk about that is BDE in the best way. It's yeah, but like also like this isn't like a, I feel like this isn't a song that calls for a a stunning show stopping vocal. Personally, I don't think it has to be stunning or show shot show stopping. I think it has to matter. And in this case, okay, but I how come you liked you didn't mind the Monaco vocal, but you mind this one? Because there was not the same level of ingenuity and drive that like the instrumental. Like this one brought you up so high that like it let yeah, you down that exactly. much. Exactly. Whereas it me up Monaco, so high. like you. Okay, in, gotcha. In the Monaco one, I was like, okay, it's got some funky bass. That's kind of all it has to offer. So. The vocals also being bland didn't feel out of place. But here with Switzerland, it's such a strong start and such a strong everything all the way through the song. If it had, if one of those guys sang Furi or, wait, hold on, I gotta go back to the names. They're crazy. Furi or Gorps. <laughs> Dude, if we had Gorps on the mic, this would be a Gorps. different story. I don't Gorps would want... do some damage on the mic. Good old raisins and peanuts. I don't want, like, you know, I don't want a Susan Boyle type to be singing some lovely ballad <laughs> tune over this song. I want oh, I wish she would, though. With a terrible voice to sing, like, harsh, grating lyrics that are just so perfectly fitting. But it's not, it doesn't fit. It, uh, I don't like it. Deedly, that deedly, no. Maybe not that particular tune, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> About the hamster dance. <laughs> oh, I have not heard that song in years. Same. It's the oh, oh, boy. God, this is this is great. It's this is going to be utterly dumpstered. There is no scenario in which this gets any more than the bare minimum of points from a juried competition. But I love it. I love it too. Do you think like dumpstered like last place or just like generally th- in the bottom? I don't know about last place, last place, but like, that's just, I think, personal bias. I'm not going to make any bold claims about last because every time I do, it gets (laughs) utterly disputed. But this has got to be down there for no fault of its own. I, I think without the vocals as they were easily number two. (laughs) Mm hmm. Even just an instrumental song, an instrumental version of that number one. <laughs> oh, could you imagine that would be incredible if it was just instrumentals the entire time? 
That would be so cool. Also, I feel like we haven't given enough credit to the. Um, it starts with like a rustling of a trash bag, and I thought that was very. Uh, Dude, it's the it's the bouncing bony innovation that excites, as it yeah. were. I I don't entirely agree with Ellis's assessment that because it's funky and fresh, it'll do poorly. Um, just because of the message as well, you know, juries mm. are gonna be all over that whole like. Oh, you know, a little bit pretentious, kind of like, oh, music today sucks. Um, mm-hmm. Satire piece. So, mm. I don't know. I think bottom 10, for sure. I don't know where, though. I don't think it's going to be dead last. Alright. So we're moving on to the next song. Oh, I don't know. Bo- there is no I- amount of fanfare that will do this justice, but let's just get into it. This is Wait, song number nine. Chink- to say. Oh, what? Oh, sorry, what? I just, I had a, a, a dumb pun about the Swiss song that I forgot to... Oh, please. Please do it. Are, are, are Swiss hillbillies alpenbillies? Ha 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 Good one. That's all. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to introduce our next song, hey! which is Genghis Khan by Genghis Khan hey! from Genghis Germany. Khan. And before we get into it, we are going the controversy fun fact corner fjord. Controversy corner. Oh my god! So, first and foremost, fun fact fjord. Um, Genghis Khan was formed specifically for Eurovision, which I did not know before this. And yet, somehow um, they have more songs than just this. Oh, fully. And <laughs> do you know who they were formed by? Who? Fucking oh, wait, wait. Is this motherfucking Ralph Eagle? You know it. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Yeah, Genghis Khan was formed by Ralph Eagle and wrote the song. Oh How my is god. He ever- this man oh, is immortal he's- and timeless. He's the so, so can we just go over all the songs that we've talked about that he has written? So he's written this song. Ralph he's written oh The Mother god. and Daughter from 1988. Oh, he wrote the um didn't write Gildo, but he um he wrote the rival song to Gildo in the national final. And then he wrote San Marino 2013. That is and, crazy. And What's the most re- recent song he's written? Oh, and Lou. And Lou. Happen. I yeah. forgot about that one. Yeah. The most recent oh song that he God. wrote was San Marino 2017, I think. He's it's so highs and lows with him. How do you turn it, out this? One of the, like, an all-time Eurovision song. And Lou, my favorite song from that year. But also, the the frickin' Maxine and her mom. <sighs> that was truly oh. dreadful. What a, what a lad. What an absolute uh, legend, as we say in the biz. He's also, um, full-on Clara Osmond Oswald impossible Eurovision. 
writer. Also, um, Japanese idol girl group Barry's Kubu did a cover of the song in 2008. <laughs> that is wild. I gotta wild. find that. And Controversy Corner uh, will make that weird. Um, so, um, in terms of controversies, the German press and public um, objected to Genghis Khan and their song. They felt that singing a song that passively glorified the actions of an imperial rapist leader was in poor taste, especially since they were representing them in Israel. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, the lyrics, um, I looked at the lyrics and they were funny and weird. And um, oh, and apparently in like the um, like the Japanese idol version, they toned down some of the lyrics about like raping and pillaging, which makes sense. Um, oh but, um, man! With that, I think we're ready to get into the song and the performance. I don't even know how to start. One of you guys take it away. It's great. It's great. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Not, not to keep interrupting. We have oh, to talk yeah, about no the postcard go. at first because what was the postcard? I don't know. I don't know. It looked like some farm thing, and there was like a grandma in a tree. But oh the, right, this one. Or maybe it was like a troll in a tree. Either way, it was painted onto the screen. Oh, I, <laughs> I just noticed him. <laughs> yeah, with a corn cob pipe. This yeah. is the only one that I just could not figure out in the slightest. It makes no sense. Same here, because like, and then there are two people on the roof, and they are like fishing something out of the chimney, which is inside of some sort of like pot or furnace. Yeah, I think it's a fish. They're fishing oh. a fish out of the chimney? <laughs> out of the, no, through the chimney, yeah. out of the stove. And then like this lady's doing laundry outside, I think. Or oh, maybe man. she's cooking? I can't really tell. Yeah. Can I talk I about know. Genghis Khan? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just oh. have to get that out of the way. Yeah, no, fair. So the lights come up. The conductor begins conducting. On stage, we see five Germans. They are all bedecked in gold lame and a white yes. jumpsuit and f five five of them there's six of them five of them have mics and one of them has a cape and a headdress yes. and long curly hair and no shirt and is uh. immediately as soon as it starts goes full whirling dervish this is we are led to believe Genghis Khan himself. He is dancing his ass off while the other five give us lovely, fantastic German disco vocal stylings while making odd, punchy hand and arm choreography and just being generally Irresistible to watch. Irresistible is a good word. Fantastic. Sorry, that uh, was the wrong I mean, reference. <laughs> wrong band. Um, if I may, Jonathan, comment oh, absolutely. on this absolutely god tier song. Yes. Genghis Khan, more well known for their song Moscow. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely heard this one first. Okay. I feel like most not internet a, denizens... Not a one-hit wonder, importantly. Not a one-hit wonder. Right. Have, in their very first song ever, perfected their musical stylings 
to it. <laughs> yes, there is that is nothing, so true. There's nothing about this song that was wrong in any way, and they carry that same level of contextual perfection. Because you know you wouldn't play this in an opera house, but you would play this at every other event. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just oh, so good. Um, it's so good. The outfits are exceptional. The pant legs that are like really three good. feet wide are amazing. Uh, <laughs> the dancing, the choreography, both of Genghis Khan himself in the front twirling away like a top, and the people in the background who do this little like who do this little footstep out thing to the beat. It's it's very much like a hey, you can do this dance at home, and if you're really really invested, you can do this other dance at home that's probably forty times harder. But they both both look amazing. The tune is so catchy. The backing beat, this like Euro disco pop thing. And again, again with the brass, it's just exceptional. It's just an overwhelming experience of ecstasy. I, you can't. (laughs) In both senses of the word. Oh yeah, fully. 100% there were drugs involved. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I don't even know how to express how i feel about this song it's just uh say but since you brought up the um the brass section i think there were some sour notes in that brass brass section i don't care it worked (laughs) no i don't care either i'm just saying um oh another thing too is that i forgot to talk about the charts this year i did look at them and the number one in europe for the majority of the year was like one of five different songs by boney m oh yeah definitely this band is very similar to Boney M. A hundred percent. In the sense that it's like a big disco group from Germany. It sings a big... songs about historical figures. Yes. The storytelling disco. The German yes. storytelling disco. It's so German it's does so good. Germany does disco good also. Yeah. At this point in the recording, our software crashed and we spent 30 minutes trying to get it back. We eventually did. Just in time to keep talking about Genghis Khan. Where were even were we? Were we talking? Were we, still, were we still talking about Genghis Khan? I think we were still ranting and raving about how great Genghis <laughs> Khan is. Thank God we were because that's what we they deserve. Talk, yeah, yeah, we could talk about that song for hours. One thing, uh, just a thing that I noticed on this viewing that I hadn't noticed before is that at one point around the middle of the song, um, our 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 lad Genghis. Spins over to the uh, the woman on the left in the white jumpsuit, and does they do the most perfect dip I've ever yes. seen. I was worried about it. It's like it's snappy, it's responsive. She goes way down low and then pops back up with no problem at all, and gets immediately back into singing position. It's just like goddamn. That is that is the dip that every other dip strives to be yeah it was so fast and so low that i was like like i knew that he didn't drop her but i was like i was worried they executed it perfectly oh and we have to talk about so the the backing vocalist on the far right oh one i love oh, the bald guy has Why a he look like stunning a stunning fur vest it's so no shirt good. and like hammer pants it's so good He's got probably my favorite outfit on the stage. Oh, I really and like Jingus outfit. Wrong. Jingus outfit is is great. The all white lady. 
Yeah, yeah the, she's great the, too. It's pretty iconic. That, that was my personal favorite outfit. It's those wide, wide pants. <laughs> and the big boots. Wide, oh, big wide boots. pants. Uh, All of it is just... We talked about the gold lame, right? We, yeah, already did. I, we mentioned it. Genghis Khan, like I said before, perfected their style. The signature laugh, the hearty... It's so, oh, viral. I love that. Ha 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 ha. Hey! You can't go wrong. Yeah. Also, they the the crowd reaction to this song is massive. Yeah. I I'm fairly certain they got the longest applause of the night. No, there was one more later that had shockingly rhythmic applause. Oh, well oh, yeah. God, that was the crowd was doing the whole clap in unison thing all night and it was driving me nuts. But they like we they talk about the pops for this, uh, and they also bowed for a long ass time, which I yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that, but yes, Jonathan, continue. One last thing I feel like we haven't talked about the um, who ha enough, <laughs> who ha who. another Genghis Khan, yes. I, I think that we could talk about this, um, for, for hours, and I'm going to cut us off right now. Because I feel like we've talked about them a little bit too much. But um, do you think that this... I feel like this is a really hard one to predict, but how do you think this one will do? I don't remember this winning, but it should. End of prediction. (laughs) (laughs) This is a uh, dancing Lasha Tumbai song. So good. So deserving of the world and all of our praise. It's gotta be in the it's in my personal top three for sure it is uh, no it's my favorite song of the night for sure um mm-hmm. i would say it has to be at least in the top five i'm hoping to like number three or four yeah i wish it. i don't know if this is i mean it's really tough for me this song and another song i i i really like but they're also hard to compare because they're just both so good anyway but I think that uh, is all we have to say about Germany. And all we have to say for the remainder of this episode. It's been a long one. I hope it's been a good one. I certainly think it has. Enjoy those crickets in my background. It's late at night. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for listening to the Eurovision Rewind podcast. This has been our rewind of the Eurovision Song Contest of 1979. If you liked it and you want to give us a follow on social media, you can do so on Instagram at Eurovision underscore Rewind. There in the bio, you will also find a link to our website. It's vocabgumbo.com. On that website, not only can you find the full archives of Eurovision Rewind and the other vocab gumbo project, open brackets, S, close brackets, but you can also find a link to our Patreon which is patreon.com forward slash vocab gumbo. There's, uh, there's a couple of, uh, of bonus snippets up there from this episode alone, and there are many more coming in the future. So if you want to get some, 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 some hot bonus content, as well as supporting us and supporting the costs of the show, you can do so there. That's, again, patreon.com forward slash vocab gumbo. We will be back next week with part two of our 1979 Rewind. 
And uh, we, we've apologies for the lateness on this episode by a day or so, but we have a ton of great stuff, great bonus content lined up for this month on top of your usual weekly rewind. Uh, we've already recorded one, which I am happy to announce now, is a full review of the OGAE Second Chance Contest for this year. We uh, went through those and drafted our picks uh, to do a, a, a little a little fantasy Eurovision. So that'll be coming out alongside our rewind of whatever the random number machine rolls next. I'm not going to spoil next week's episode. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for that and also some more stuff. Subscribe to the Patreon, follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely evening uh, for Jonathan and for Millen and for everyone else here at Vocab Gumbo. Thanks for listening.